0: Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive
1: technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast that goes beyond the politics, beyond the science, beyond the law, exploring real lives changed by assisted reproductive technology and interviewing people whose lives were personally changed, um, both by their families as well as uh, the employment or work they might do in this area. I'm Ellen Trackman, I am an assisted reproductive technology. Specialized attorney. I have a law firm specialized in this area and called Trackman Law Center LLC. I write a weekly blog for above the law.com with the same name as this podcast called I want to put a baby in you. Um, and I am honored to co own a surrogacy matching and support, um, Program called Colorado Surrogacy, uh, as well as New Mexico Surrogacy and Montana Surrogacy, with the parent company of Bright Families Futures, and I do that together with my sister Jennifer White.
2: Hi, I, I'm Jennifer White. I, I feel like you, you've taken my entire introduction. My my resume is not oh, nearly yeah. as impressive as yours is. It's true. <laughs> um, I I merely have a park named after <laughs> me in England. That is that okay? Does
1: that make me I impressive? Park named after uh, me yet.
2: Excellent. Good. Winning. Hooray! Um, so today we are actually talking to Mark Gilland of Passport and Visa Advisors, and I, I know I, I hear all of the the sighs and all of the people about to click off, but don't 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 turn the don't turn the podcast off. Passports and visas are actually super exciting, (laughs) full of international intrigue and lots of really great stories. I mean, think about all the travel adventures that you've had and imagine trying to add putting a brand new baby in there. Uh, the, The stories are really incredible. So we're excited to talk to Mark. Right.
1: Um, and we're always happy to, to interview different sides, different stories, get people on here. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, do not hesitate to um, reach out on Facebook or our website or email, or you can call us at our own number at 303-997-1903. Again, it's 303-997-1903. All right. Without any delay, let's talk to Mark. We're here today with Mark Gilland of Passport Visa Advisors, and he has saved me multiple times in my clients. He is the go-to person when it comes to passport issues, visa issues, really complicated administrative um, technical um, documents, but are also important on getting home, especially when it comes to surrogacy and international parents. So I say welcome, Mark.
2: Thank you very much. Good to be here.
1: And of course, Jennifer White is here as well. I am, you know, I'm I'm here, but I'll say
2: I I, I've also worked with Mark a bunch of times, and he goes above and beyond, you know, with everything customer service. He really takes care of people and makes them feel that they are the only people that he's helping, and it's been really phenomenal to work with him. So, yay, we're excited to have you here.
0: Well, thank you, thank you very much. Very kind of you to say.
2: Yeah. So, so Mark, let's let's just dive right in and talk kind of some really basic overview. I think everybody out there probably knows what a passport is, and most people know kind of what a visa is, but maybe some people don't. So can you kind of give us a difference between what a passport is and a visa is? And, and so we can just get that, that laid out.
0: Sure, sure. A a passport is issued from the country that that the people live in. Uh, Obviously, in the United States, most of us have U.S. passports, and German passports or British passports or Chinese passports are all issued by the country from where the people live. A visa is is an invitation to visit a foreign country. Um, Of the 200 some odd countries there are in the world, probably about 80 of them require visas for U.S. citizens, whereas almost all of them uh, require have a visa to come to the United States. So uh, countries like for, – for U.S. citizens like China, uh, India, Brazil, Russia, Vietnam are the countries that require visas for U.S. citizens to go to that country, uh, whereas the remainder of them, say Canada, Mexico, you know all of Europe, et cetera, uh, don't require a visa whatsoever. We can just jump on the plane and leave today with a valid passport. Um, most countries, as I mentioned, do require a visa to come to the United States, and that's where – that's something we can't help companies with, or people with, but uh, they'll have to get that from the U.S. embassy in their various countries.
1: Got it. Okay. And why are passports and visas such an important issue when it comes to surrogacy and international parents?
0: When an IP comes to the United States from a foreign country, they have they have a child born on U.S. soil, and therefore that child is a U.S. citizen. Uh, that child cannot leave the United States without a passport, a U.S. passport, to go back to home, whether it be Sweden, you know, uh, Brazil, Mexico, you know, pick your country. Uh, certain countries do require a visa to be issued uh, to that U.S born child even though the parents are citizens of that country example would be uh, australia for example uh all of us who are u.s citizens require to have an eta which is electronic uh, travel authorization to go to australia the child born in the united states to australian parents still need that eta before they can get on the plane to go back home okay
1: so how long does that do those take are parents stuck here in the United for a long time
0: it's a, it's a very good question. Uh, ETAs are almost instantaneous. They're an online uh, presentation. Uh, they can do that in, in 10 minutes' time. They cost $20. Um, other things like uh, China, for example, or Brazil uh, are uh, lengthier processes, and they can only begin to take place after the U.S. passport has been issued. That's where our services come into play because most of the time when a uh, foreign parent IP comes over from overseas they are waiting for the baby to be born. Mm -hmm. They are now waiting for the birth certificate to be issued. And now they want to go home as soon as they possibly can. And so uh, we've had people, again, I'm talking about passports now, will say, I've been here long enough. I've got a job to return to. I've got a life to return to. Mm -hmm. I've got family members back home that would love to see my baby and all of which are all going to be stemming on getting the password issued and sometimes the visa issued uh, as quickly as possible so they can return back to their life in their home country.
2: How long does that normally take to get that passport and go through that entire process?
0: A passport through standard channels, if they had all the time in the world, it would be about four to six weeks is the processing time for the U.S. Passport Agency. Um, They have a faster service. They have a two to three week Uh, processing time as well our services come in when people want to leave faster than that Um, typically our ips will choose either our same day services or our two to three day services in order to be able to get the passports issued quickly and then jump on the plane to go back home
2: that's fantastic so on to the fun stuff. I mean, I, you know, passwords are interesting and all, but you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of falling asleep over here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but let's actually. I'm sure you have to have some really incredible stories um, about you know some of these situations you've been in. Do you tell me? Just tell us
1: about any of them. Start start anywhere. We'd love to hear a fun story. What's what's your best, most interesting story of clients you worked with? Put me on the spot, ladies. No pressure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, you know. After doing this, it's, it's uh, for a few years. There's quite a few interesting stories. Um, one of the ones that happened recently was we had a um, we had a mother who was Chinese who came to the United States with her to have a baby born in the United States, and her husband had uh, dropped dead of a heart attack in China. And she had harvested his sperm before he had passed, and uh, they, they impregnated a surrogate uh, was their plan all along. And so when the baby was born in the United States, she came over to, to get the baby and chose because of Chinese law or just legal reasons to include the dad on the birth certificate. Um, the passport was the questioned initially because you know here's a man that's been dead prior to the, the uh, conception of the child – how did that happen? Mm-hmm. And and we had court records to show that he is deceased and that, that that birth was by surrogacy, and we were able to get the passport done fairly quickly. Unfortunately, the Chinese didn't see it the same way, and uh, and she was stuck uh, in in uh, New York for several months trying to convince the Chinese government that she indeed had a U.S. born child. Uh, she needed to have a you know, a, um, a travel document in order to be able to get back home. And, uh, unfortunately that was not something we could get involved with because, uh, Chinese travel documents are, have to be issued by the parent to the parent, uh, and rather than uh, a Chinese visa. And that's a, we we might want to put a a point in that or a pin in that because that's a a very important talk document to discuss with your, for, for Chinese IPs, um, And and she, because we could, we just couldn't help her with that. Um, we had another situation on down in uh, New Mexico where there was a, a father, the other way around, actually had his wife passed away, uh, before they came over here. And he came over with the wife's death certificate and, uh, and was able to show that, um, that her, you know, that she was on the birth certificate, but not, um, you know, not there. So usually the court documents, the the court judgment shows that surrogacy did take place, but once again the passport agency looked at this and said, How is this baby born to a woman who has passed away?
2: Right. And I say and that second one, that New Mexico one was not from they were not from China, is that correct? So it was a different country as well.
0: No, they were from Europe and it, it all depends uh, and again this is this is the the u s state department had the had the issue with that um you know how is it a woman who has passed away on the birth certificate when you know how does that how does a dead woman give birth to a baby um and, and it, again it just takes extra explaining it helps getting involved i think the uh New Mexico had to get involved with the uh the process of of uh writing uh the uh the uh birth certificate the correct way and and so it was it was it, Most companies in our business will say, you know, place your order online, uh, send the documents to us, and we'll let you know if you're successful or not. Um, We try not to do that. We try to get involved from the very beginning to understand what's happening because it's a foreign language to most IPS uh, they're coming to a, a to a country where they don't understand the practice and so being able to work with the the uh, individuals either through a translator or through someone like you guys uh, has been very uh, helpful for them and uh, it makes our job easier when we all know exactly what it is that we're we're trying to do um, we had a another one that was unique was we had a, a Brazilian Wait. company
1: so before you move on, so what did you have to do in the New Mexico case, and how did it how did it turn out?
0: Which one was that?
1: So same, so both the Chinese case and the, the New Mexico uh, case. How what did you have to do, and how did it how did they ultimately work out?
0: The the as far as it, the Chinese one in New York, the far as I know, they're back home now. Um, because the Chinese travel documents have to be applied for by the parent, it's by Chinese national law, uh, we can't get involved with that at all. And plus, again, I don't know – I don't speak Chinese or Mandarin either, so I just knew it was a refer, referral from a, from a surrogate company up in, uh, up in New Jersey. So they were involved with that, and I'm assuming that they were able to get them on their way as well, uh, but that was kind of between the the mother – and her government and not uh, kind of we, – we did what we needed to do to take care of them, and I'm hoping that it turned out okay, but uh, but I haven't heard back from them, and uh, it's been six months or so since that happened, so we should be okay. They should, they should hopefully be back there by now. Um, in regards to the one in New Mexico, uh, the problem with that one was that, the, uh, that they needed to speak to the husband about what happened with his wife, and he had listed his uh, phone number as his international telephone number on his documents. So they tried to call him and they couldn't because they wouldn't dial internationally. So they end up sending oh, no. him a letter that says oh, no. you need to provide us a a domestic telephone number in order for us to call you to tell you what we need from you of which he didn't have. So he had to go down to a Walmart, buy a burner phone, you know, register a domestic number, gave them the number and the passport agency never called him back. Oh wow. So and, of course, he had traveled – and he had a, another child too, I believe. So he had an infant and an older child who was still a, you know, five or six years old or younger, and he was in New Mexico trying to get back to – I think it was from Germany or France, somewhere around there, but trying to get back. And he had a time frame; He had a, a date set for his itinerary to travel back, and I think what we ended up having to do, if I remember correctly, was we were able to provide them proof – of the documentation that we thought that they would need to explain why the the mother who had passed was listed on the birth certificate. And uh, and we were able to finally get that on his way, and I believe he was able to make his trip. So it it had. A- and in
1: that case, the passport agency is able to talk to you directly, and you were able to to deal with them and sort it out.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, the, the I actually had to, that's a good point. We actually had another we had an Israeli uh, same sex couple coming to my office uh, here in and uh, where I am in my office is here in Charlotte, and uh, and they actually wrote down – they didn't have an international – they had an international number as well. And what they ended up having to do was they wrote my telephone number down on the uh, the application form because it has to be a – because of what we learned, what happened in New Mexico. And when there was a problem with the application, the password agency called me directly. And it was very nice that I w- – it was a great – Oh, good oh, idea. Was, so is that
1: yeah. – is that a user's tip that everyone should put your number down? And <laughs> like you said, just have Mark take care of it. Everyone put Mark's number down. Mark, what's your phone number?
0: If I was smart enough to say I did that on purpose for that reason, then uh, then I'd be uh, I'd be giving myself credit that it wasn't due. Um, I did it because I just couldn't think of another number to, to give them. But when they called me back and said, hey, we've got a problem with this application, uh, then, then it was really nice to be able to, to answer the questions directly to the password agency. And in that case, just as an FYI, what they did was the, the the Israeli parents were advised by the acceptance agency to sign their name in Hebrew. No, I'm sorry, in English. In English, and their passports were written in Hebrew. So when they when they were told by a, a uh, you know by an agent of the United States government to do things wrong, they suspended the application because they did what the acceptance agency told them to do, which was unfortunately incorrect. So.
1: Interesting. So I'm curious. So if you are an international parent and you're signing the application, you should sign however you you normally sign your signature and not necessarily translating it into 100% English if, that's, correct. if you
0: have to. 100% correct.
1: Wow. So okay. It Interesting. Is, it is
0: because when you go to the acceptance agency and that's basically – the it's at a post office, a courthouse, a library, someplace where the federal government is going to review to make sure that one, the child is a US citizen, two, that the parents have been properly identified as, you know, they've identified themselves and their names match what's on the child's birth certificate three that all documents are in order and finally four that all monies have been properly paid that's what the acceptance agency does so when they're signing the DS-11 application form in front of this acceptance agent their signature needs to match their passport that's their identifying document they're they're notarizing in essence the the signature in this case the acceptance agency said your name the the passport was written in Hebrew signed and and it could say anything could happen in Chinese if you think about that also and they said no no you we need to sign your name in english and there's not a you know they so they basically printed their name is what they did and they pass it seals up inside of an envelope we don't see it and we that we then take that into the passport agency on behalf of the client they open it up at the passport agency and when they saw a copy of a of a passport with a hebrew signature or a signature in Hebrew and a US printing of the names they said is this the same guy interesting i can't go forward with this until we determine this is the same man who signed this document so that's that's why it's very important to have the the parents sign their names per their passports
1: wow that's fascinating there must be other any other like pitfalls that kind of come to mind to born international parents like also don't do this when the agent tells you to do it is there others like that? That
0: yeah the 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 couple of points is that uh, let's let's start with the the, um, the passport photos. Uh, photos are usually a two by two photos on a white background, and uh, you know for adults who would be looking right into the camera. Children at this age, when they're a week old, they're you know two two weeks old. You're lucky if their eyes are open. Interesting. And what we typically and
1: do? They do they have to be open?
0: No. And as I was going to say, typically, I I, I have photos of, of kids that are slouched over in the corner, eyes closed, sleeping. The big, <laughs> the big thing is if their hands are away from their face. That's what you just don't want to have. Uh, so so it's not critical that the eyes are open, that it's centered properly. Um, it's not. I usually tell them, that, you know, when you go to the acceptance agency, say bring a white blanket. You know, put that in the car seat that the that the child is in. And what typically they'll do is they'll lean over the top of the car seat, take the picture of it looking down, and then and then you're good. So
2: I had to I have to say from a personal note, we moved to Germany when my daughter was an infant, and we had to get a passport when she was just a few days old, also, and they made us do that with get her eyes open for the photo i'm sorry to hear Uh, that so i i was so i did know the trick i wore a white shirt and held her propped against me with my arms kind of you know elbowing her in but then we had to poke her until she would open her eyes the poor kid (laughs) the grouchiest photo i've ever seen
0: (laughs) that's awful to hear because you know that she wasn't happy for sure um one of the things that people do do also is that i've had them if they decide they want to take the photos themselves what i can tell them to do is either um you know, put put a sheet down on a bed, and then put the baby on the sheet, and then one of the people, one of the one of the parents, will can put their hand up underneath the sheet and cradle the neck and kind of turn their head facing the camera, and the other person then would take a picture from above, you know, and uh, and take it, snap it that way. That, that's a little trick, and then they can either take that to them to CVS, Walgreens, someplace with one of those Kodak uh, developing centers if they want to do that themselves. Uh, I've had parents who have been really concerned about what this fixture really looks like because that's what the first one for the next five years, the child will look like that. And, uh, and others who will just say, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, going to the acceptance agency and having the photo taken there is a government worker who's snapping pictures and people standing in line behind waiting to be seen next. They're not going to give you the opportunity to be able to do a you know glamour shot or the you – know, can you take that again? Because I, I don't like the lighting or something like that.
1: <laughs> I I will say that my children have terrible, ridiculous passport photos. So Jen and I might have to like throw some <laughs> of those up with, with this episode to show some examples oh, yeah, of awful absolutely. children passport pictures. That's,
0: that's funny. So, so that that's one thing – well, let me let me let me go. Let me go over a couple more of these those little things to look sure. for. Um, also, also the um, another thing is never sign the 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 DS eleven form before you get into the show into the acceptance agent. Uh, it says don't sign until you're in front of uh, authorized agent. So basically, that means just don't do that at all uh, until. And then again, they're notarizing the signature. That's the reasoning behind that that uh, you know waiting to sign.
1: If you do sign, can you just re-sign again in front of no. them? Or oh, wow, okay.
0: I mean, I've 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 had. I've had people who have signed it ahead of time, and they signed another piece of paper before, and then they've notarized the document they didn't see signed because it matches. But realistically, it's not supposed to be done that way.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: okay. Um, the other thing I was going to mention is that uh, for single dads or same-sex male couples um, – Typically, what will happen will be is that the courts will find a judgment that will either remove the surrogate from the birth certificate issues even there to begin with and then either add a single dad alone or have dad and his partner or husband or whatever it might be. Um, I can tell you from experience that a single dad applying for a passport for their child could be construed as being an adopted child. How else is a single dad going to have a baby except through adoption? And, uh, surrogacy? And what, well, again, if you don't if you don't include the judgment, that's that's my point. Is that if you walked in as a single dad and said, "Here's my child," and the mother does not show up at all on the birth certificate or the application, mm-hmm. I've had dads get passports that way. However, when they've been suspended, because the natural inclination is, how is a man going to have a baby without a mother? Would be, is, well, that child must be adopted. And what happens is getting the the U.S. State Department off of the idea of adoption is harder than never to have them the opportunity to have that idea to begin with. Hmm. So what we typically will say for a single father is that um, include – when they go to this acceptance agency, the actual uh, judgment from the courts that will show that this is – I am dad. I am the parent. And parent alone, there is no mother because this child was born through surrogacy. And that document then – you know, conveys the idea. Oh, okay, we understand now how this happened. It's as a single dad, it's an option to do that, but I really don't know any reason why they wouldn't want to provide that documentation. Um, Two dads, I, I would, I always insist that 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 document is included because how did how did this happen? How did these twins become? parent children to two dads if they weren't adopted so i always will have the parents have a certified court judgment in twins case one for each rather than uh, a copy and original and 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 when we process the passports they'll get those back um that's that's another critical item to, to talk about as well um and uh, so when we get it back, we'll have the passport, the birth certificate, and then finally the court judge- judgments that uh, that will be returned back to the parents. And I've even had sometimes you guys might know this, but I've had sometimes where a lawyer has had a copy uh, in in their file, and the parents have only one certified copy of the for both children, and the 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 attorney has given up his or her copy to be used for the passport. And then return back to the attorney afterwards. So, you know, it's, it's happened on occasion. I just, I just insist on that uh, whenever possible. And matter of fact, even today, I've got a, uh, a Hong Kong client who has a single child by himself, and he insisted on not including the the um, court documents. He thought it was an invasion of privacy, and uh, we'll have to see whether or not it's going to be successful or not.
1: Interesting. And you're doubting it since you were you would have insisted to include the court document.
0: Uh, what was your question again?
1: So you you were suggesting he include the court document, and he refused.
0: Yes, yes, I, I, I expressed to him in writing the reasons why he should do this, and he just felt that it was a little bit too um, too uh, too intrusive, and and I because I did share with him, I said I said I have had single dads get the passports without having the the documents in place, but if you had it in place, there would never be a doubt that you would not get the passport.
1: Right. So you think they're going to come back and question it?
0: I, th- I think there's a good chance they will. And, and he's been forewarned that this they could do this. Luckily, time isn't critical for him. So uh, if they do suspend the application, and, and what that would mean is not he can't have a password, but what that would mean would be is I can't go any farther until you provide some additional documentation that I need to, to go ahead and complete the process.
2: So it's not it's not an ender; it just slows things down. Is what happens there.
0: Okay. Exactly. Uh, example of another suspension was the the Israeli couple with the signatures incorrect on the on the application. They had to go back and re-execute the application again. But the children got their passports. Uh, so it's just a matter of this is the way it's supposed to be done. You're you're uh, you're you're um you know authorizing us. You're hiring us to be able to give you the best uh, outcome. And in our professional opinion, this is what we need. However, he chose not to, and again, if, if I hope that we're okay, uh, and, and that will, uh, and if we're not, then we'll take other actions to, uh, to correct it. And he will need to send the documentation that, uh, he chose not to send the first time.
2: So what other fun stuff is out there? What are, what are your best, best hits? I,
0: I've had a, have uh, had a same sex couple, um, throw down in a Chinese consulate in Los Angeles. Um, uh, when, when Ch- Chinese, uh, uh, same-sex marriage is not allowed in China as far as I, I know, and this was a couple that was married, and they chose to have to, have to go get travel documents for their children and uh, at the Chinese consulate. And the attorney told them, one of you need to go, not both of you, and they insist on both of them going. Mm-hmm. and um, oh, no. And evidently when the consulate says – this is against the law to have a same-sex marriage. You guys can't do this, even though they insisted on both their names being on the birth certificate. They had a, a huge fight in the middle of the consulate's uh, you know lobby, and they, uh, they, they kicked them out without a China visa or a travel document, and the parents had to go back home. Wow. And during the time they were gone, the attorney was able to remove one of the parents from the birth certificate by the courts of California, and then finally –
1: so sorry, they went home without, without their, the children. their children.
0: They couldn't without, because wow. the children could not travel. So they they were trying to leave on Friday. You know, they they came in on Tuesday to get their travel documents, and they couldn't get them because they said, "Get out, get out, get out," and uh, and they 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 left and went back to China, leaving the children back with the surrogate i would imagine until they came back to to china to come back to the united states and during that time they were gone they the the attorneys were able to remove one of the parents from the birth certificate so that parent showed up with a single you know parent on the birth certificate and uh the u.s passports and they were able to get the china travel documents without a problem so
1: and the chinese embassy was okay with that they didn't remember <laughs> like yeah, hey you were that, I haven't that guy the, the, we we know what's going on
0: the, interestingly the the chinese uh um or most most consulates are like a i don't want to say a bus terminal but there's there's a lot of windows that people you know shuffle up out of the queue and and present their documents because this i mean think about it, it's a, a a consulate is a is a piece of sovereign china in the middle of downtown los angeles for example, so a lot of Chinese come there to be – and it's for any country, for Brazil, India, you know, Nepal, whatever it might be. Those citizens come there to get their passports taken care of, take care of things with immigration, etc. So it's a very busy location, and so um, they <laughs> – I, I sure. guess they didn't remember them after all those – the shuffle of humanity coming through, <laughs> and they were – and what, one parent was able to get – the, the, the travel documents for their child to be able to go back right. to China.
1: But he was also wearing like one of those like mustache, nose, glasses. <laughs> <things>.
0: <laughs> I, I could just imagine just uh, you, just the, the, what happened. And again, that, that was travel documents uh, and that was not on our watch. The, the I think the, the important takeaway would be is listen to your attorney, listen to the professionals you're hiring to help you because they know these things. And if they say, don't put both names on the birth certificate, don't show up in person together, Listen to what they have to say. Um
1: Right. Well, I and I think the other takeaway being a US attorney is that all international parents need to consult an attorney license in their jurisdiction as well. So consulting a Chinese attorney, because a US attorney might not know their specific jurisdiction requirements. That's a
0: very good point. Uh we going back to the thing we we're talking about Australia, we had uh, you know, it's it most of the time when, when from attorneys or what we do, our our duty of care ends at the time that the passports are issued to the clients are going home. What happens in their home country for their child's citizenship is beyond the scope of what I am knowledgeable or – and I don't want to be crass but concerned about, Uh, meaning that I I have no control over that. I have no idea what happens in their country. So to have representation in that country to be able to take care of the next step is is critical, and it's something that anybody who's looking to have an IP come to the United States needs to make sure that the parents that are coming here know – that they'll have to do something when they come back. Um, example, the, the ETA for Australia. That child is still a U.S. citizen. That child will still be a U.S. citizen until something else happens, and Australian citizenship in this example is then granted. Therefore, the ETA, the one the, that we give him, is good for only about a three- to six-month period of time. And in that period of time, if he's not granted Australian citizenship during that time, he's gonna be a legal alien. Right. Living in Australia. And as a baby, of course, but nevertheless, they didn't do what they needed to do there. And that's all that's and and that's that's where they need to have someone there take care of the, the, the rest of the actions from that point forward.
1: Right. No, another great point of contacting an attorney where you live and I don't know if you saw this, but there was a Singapore case recently where it was a single father, a doctor in Singapore who came to the U.S., used a surrogate, went back with his U.S. citizen child and tried to apply for his child to ha- become a Singapore citizen. And the the court said, no, they they rejected it and said that surrogacy is illegal in Singapore yeah. and they're not going to permit this runaround. And it's a really scary situation that even though his child is still in his custody right now, his child's a U.S. citizen and can be deported from Singapore. And as a Singaporean citizen, he doesn't have rights in the U.S., which is Scary that neither are citizens of the same country and are not guaranteed to be able to be together. Wow!
0: No, I did not hear that one. Yeah, yeah. That, that's almost like being without a country,
1: right? right.
0: One of the things that just, if I we, we've talked about Chinese quite a bit—and and let me let me touch on this because this is critically important for anybody who is uh, considering coming to the United States from China—is that China has a rule that says that that if your parents. Are Chinese nationals living in China come to the United States and have children, U.S. born children here in the United States? They must get a travel document instead of a China visa. And if you remember, we talked about that with a lady up in New York with a with a, a, a dead husband, uh, or the husband's deceased. I'm sorry, um, but so a travel document is necessary to be able to to travel back to China as a U.S. citizen. As a U.S. citizen, you normally would think, well, they have the right to be able to have a Chinese visa because they're a U.S. citizen. They're not Chinese. That's not the case. The Chinese look at it as saying that if the parents do not have permanent residency in the United States, they don't have a green card, they pop over here with a B1, B2 visa, have the baby, and now they have to have the necessary documents to go back home very much like the ETA is for Australia they have to and w- which we can get of course for them but uh, China says you have to appear in front of the consulate that serves your state typically and present your baby your husband your the mother the father and then get a chinese travel document that allows the child to re- to go to china and live there for their lives And eventually, they will then have to give up their US citizenship if they want to become Chinese. Okay. Uh, If the person, the parent has green card status, they're here, you know, working, living, you know, at a job here, and they've been here for a while, then the Chinese consulate says that child is due a Chinese visa and not a Chinese travel document and the Chinese visa can be applied for on behalf of the child. Um, right. one last story and I'll shut up I promise is that we had, a, we had, a, <laughs> no, we had a, a same-sex couple in Las Vegas. They were staying at the Oriental Mandarin Hotel, which I had to look up, it is 429 a night.
1: It's a nice hotel. Okay, mm-hmm. very nice hotel. And they were
0: they they came up to us and said, "Mark, we think we're we're not going to leave for another three weeks. We want to use your eight to ten day service, which was I think one seventy five a piece. Okay, versus the three.
1: so after looking at the hotel, you upped your rate. Is that
0: no. well? I looked at it. I, well, I, I looked at it. I said, I, said, I said one of the things on my order form, I said there's a box that I have the tick. It says if you could, you know, when are you leaving? When do you want the passports back in hand? Would you leave earlier if you could? And typically they'll check that box. Yes. And so I went back to them. I said, you've asked for, you know, you said you're going to leave on, you know, four weeks from now, three weeks from now, whatever it was to allow enough time for the passport to be processed. Because before they came, they didn't know that services like ours existed. And I said to them, I said, I said, if you bumped up your services with us from the, one seventy-five, eight to ten-day process to a same day, it would cost you two hundred and what twenty dollars more per child, but you could leave two and a half weeks earlier than you are right now.
1: Right, T- times, times four hundred dollars a night. Yeah, but they-
0: <laughs> we could do yeah, that. But
1: they probably have tickets to Cirque Day Soleil and shows. You know, they maybe they had plans. Right. I
0: mean, they, they so so <laughs> they were able to change their tickets, check mm-hmm. out. Two and a half weeks earlier out of the $429 night hotel and that and 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 save several thousand dollars and get back home to become parents, live their life all over again. And 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 it, that that's not I didn't do that for the purposes of being to line my pockets. I did that because are you aware this is an option for you to consider? And so we mm-hmm. put it out there and we we never upsell, we never push you know, the clients to buy a higher price tag item. Typically, they just do. The only time parents Mm -hmm. won't either use our faster services would be saying, I've got to get a visa from the Spanish consulate or from, you know, wherever it might be before I leave here. Uh, We had one person, Australia, again, who decided I'm going to apply for my child's Australian passport in the United States before I leave to go back home. So that ETA is not required. I don't have to worry about that three to six month rule. I'll have everything I need. So my Australian son comes back home with me. Those are the times when people don't have immediate travel needs. Okay. And also that's ones where they have other things that they can do either. We may or may not be able to help them with that when they do that. Um, But, uh, uh, that's why, but, but again, most of the time I'm getting off track. But most of the time, that's why people will use our faster services just because they can get home and live their life faster, or, you know, sooner, if you would, and then also save some money on the expenses of living in the United States. Um, I've had people have I've got an Airbnb through the end of the month. I'm not going to I'm going to pay for it no matter if I'm here or not. They can decide whether they want to use their services or not, and sometimes if it's far enough out, that consultation might be the best way for you to go rather than us trying to expedite it quickly. So it's really up to the client to decide.
1: Well, Mark, thank you so much. You are such an amazing resource and expert in this area, and so, so needed and so helpful for so many people that we really appreciate you coming on and sharing your stories and your tips. And uh, we will be sure to include your, your contact information uh, both on the podcast and we'll throw it up online as well so people can reach out to you when, when they need you. But thank you so much. Oh, thank uh, and- you, guys.
2: And I think we should have Mark come back and talk just China some one of these times because that's uh, definitely seems like a, th- there's far more than we went into. So I think I'd love to have him come back and l- let's do a little more in depth on happy that one.
0: Would happy to. Uh, thank you very much for having on. I think this is an excellent thing that you guys are doing, and and, and, and much success and uh, for for your endeavors along these lines. And yeah, if we if you if I need me back or if, if anybody has even questions about some of these things, you know, we don't we don't we're available on Skype. Uh, I do uh, I do have uh, an email. I guess that you guys will share at the end of the show and things like that, where they can find us and, uh, and also are our, our online as well. Um, we do, we do get most of our, our business on uh, surrogacies from referrals, like people like the two of you guys. And, uh, and that's most appreciated. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a very good way for people to, to find us and know that again, if they believe in you and you all believe in us, then it's a pretty good leap of faith that, that they'll be taken care of properly.
1: And we do, we do believe in you. <laughs>
0: Which is much, much appreciated. Much appreciated. Thank you, Mark.
2: Yeah. We do very much. We appreciate you.
0: Thanks, guys. I appreciate it very much.
2: Awesome. Hey, Bye. thank you, Mark. Wow. So I, I have to say that my my takeaway lesson of the day is: do not get into a fist fight in the embassy. your the, your life will always be infinitely worse if you have to have a fist fight in order to get your passport or visa. This is an important takeaway.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today. Uh, do remember to go to iTunes and to rate us. May I humbly suggest the five stars. Um, and also, if you could leave a review as well, that helps us have feedback and let other people know um, what your thoughts are on the podcast. And hopefully, if you, if you want to say nice things, we appreciate that too. Um, and then you can also go to Patreon where you can subscribe to the podcast. And um, there is a level where you can subscribe for a few dollars a month. You also can listen to our bonus episodes as well. We're excited to be able to present bonus content. And then um, some Some kind folks out there can help us pay for our sound engineering costs. And speaking of sound engineering, thank you to Chris at Work at Bird Studios for all his help. I also want to send a shout out to Ian Samuel, um, <clears throat> who does the podcast First Mondays, for his help in consulting and podcast... Um, sharing his podcast genius with us when we were starting out. So big, big thanks to Ian Samuel and go listen to First Mondays, which is um, a great, super nerdy, um, in-depth discussion about the Supreme Court and their various opinions. Thank you again for joining us.